You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 93. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. As always, I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. What a wonderful, wonderful time of the year it is. It's Christmas. And yes, things are shut down depending on what's part of the country you live in. Restaurants may not even be open or at 25%. Christmas parties, probably non-existent. Gatherings with friends and family, probably cut down if they're happening at all. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of changes to things that might be traditions for you coming up into this holiday season. And so I just want you to think about breathing, slowing down. And really going back to that whole idea of, you know, thanksgiving or grateful giving. And what are you grateful for? And what are you thankful for? One of the episodes I did a while back ago was that grateful is... Actually, let's start with thankful. It's easier. Thankful is what you is what you are toward a person. You're thankful that somebody left the door unlocked for you while your hands were full. You're thankful that somebody picked you up from a meeting. You're thankful that somebody answered your phone call when you were having a tough time. You're just as thankful when somebody answered the phone call and something amazing was coming out of your mouth. A victory. You're thankful towards people. You're grateful towards things or a way of being. Right? I'm I'm grateful for the trials and tribulations that I've faced and overcome this year because it's shown me that I have an intestinal fortitude that goes beyond a worldwide pandemic, that goes beyond social unrest, that goes beyond political infighting. I have an intestinal fortitude that sees my life to fruition the way that I decide I want it. These are things to be grateful for. I'm grateful for soda water. I talked about that in an episode a while back ago, how my therapist had me spend two minutes waxing poetically about why I loved soda water so much. So you're grateful towards things, inanimate objects, or basically if it's not a human being, then you're grateful for it. You're thankful for human beings and what they've done for you, the lessons they've taught you, the things that they've gone through you with you with. So let's think about gratitude and thankfulness going into this Christmas season. And even though traditions may not be there, or they might be radically changed, perhaps you're in school or your job has radically changed. And it's been extremely difficult for you to just assimilate into this new way of being. It's extremely important to step back and look at the things that you're thankful. Look at, for, look at the people. You see, I almost did it there. Look at the people that you're thankful for whether it's because they taught you a lesson or they were there as you learned a lesson. You can be thankful for people doing negative things towards you because it teaches you something. Everything teaches you something. Everything teaches you something. Are your eyes open? Are your ears listening? Is your heart open to the feeling that's coming from the lesson? But everything teaches you something. And what are you grateful for? Traditions are not. We've made it. We've made it through another year. We made it through another month. We made it through another week, another day, another five minutes without using. 
The strongest people I know are the people going through addiction recovery. The strongest people I know are the ones who are still fighting through that addiction, praying one day they'll see the light at the end of the tunnel that we've seen, and we came out on the other end alive and doing fine. I feel even feel worse, or I feel a sadness in my heart for those people who are thinking the light at the end of the tunnel is the end. They don't have that fight in them anymore. They don't see a way out. So that light at the end of the tunnel can be so many different things for us. It can be hope and prosperity, or it can be our demise and our downfall. It can be life and rebirth, or it can be the end. As we finish up a year, these are the moments that we have. This is the time in our lives where things begin to shift. In the winter, nature hibernates, awaiting the spring for that opportunity for rebirth, for growth, for a new. Now we're in our winter. Winter is the time of rest for, the, for nature, for so many bears. I'm thinking of a hibernating bear right now. I meant to say for animals, it's, it's, a, it's a period of rest. For bears, it's a period of hibernation. They dig themselves a hole. They go down into it. They sleep. If it's a female, it's going to pop out with some cubs. If it's a male, it's just going to pop out hungry and horny. <laughs> but either way, there's a hibernation. Winter is a time of reflection, a time to reassess what it is that we've accomplished throughout the spring, the summer, and the fall. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'm going to put a lot of effort moving forward in in these episodes to get my information out a little bit more succinctly. I won't necessarily cut off the inspirational, motivational speeches I do at the end. I'll just do a better job, fingers crossed, (laughs) of getting the information out more succinctly so that you can get through the episodes and you can go off and you can put these things into action. That's one of the commitments I've been talking about all year and I've yet to follow through with it. So come hell or high water, this episode is ending in 24 minutes. (laughs) Well, another one of the commitments I've made to myself this year is because I've been getting a lot of messages on Instagram and emails is about showing and introducing NLP for recovery. That's what I've decided to call it, NLP for recovery. Um, I've been teaching NLP to realtors. I call that one NLP for realty. And now I'm going to be doing NLP for recovery. Really, almost as if I've been practicing it with them to really bring it to the community that's nearest and dearest to my heart. I love being a part of of a realtor's growth. I love, I'm a firm believer that, that realtors play an integral part in the American dream. Right? There's three things that every human desires to figure out in their life to really bring about that meant-to-be feeling in themselves. What you're going to do for a living, your career, who you're going to love, right? the romantic relationship you'll be in, the person you'll have as a partner, and where are you going to live. Realtors take care of one-third of that. Relationship coaches take care of one, another third. And what you're going to do for a living, that's where a business coach can come in. In a way, NLP and what I do and how I, and how I coach and I mentor my clients, I do a, a little of all three. But with NLP for Realty, it's really been able to help me harness the power of good that NLP does have and show these people how to communicate and connect with their clients at a deeper level so that they can really figure out what it is that the client wants in the selling or the buying of a home. It'll just, it very much correlates to recovery. 
in as much as the NLP is a way is a mechanism for communication. It's a mechanism to understand more about yourself and how you see the world, why your point of view is the way that it is, why you have the beliefs that you do, why you have the opinions you do, the values that you do. And if you so choose to change them, it doesn't take years of therapy. It can literally be an hour or two. We go in, we, we, we really understand why it is you experience the world the way that you do, and we begin to morph it so that it better suits the new version of yourself. One of the founders of NLP used to have a quote that said, it's never too late to have the perfect childhood. Because one of the foundational blocks of NLP is being able to go in using this this technique called time dynamics and go into your timeline, go back to a, a moment that caused deep suffering and trauma for you and beginning to change the way that you've internalized that experience so that you can come out of it on the other end ready and prepared. And, and in fact, most often than not, in one session, you're healed from the trauma. There's still things you have to work out. There's still things you have to work through because so many of our opinions and values have been based off that one particular trauma. Now we've moved through years and years and years of our life making decisions based off of that experience of that trauma. But one of the most powerful things about NLP is it allows you to change your perspective of that trauma, to see it from a different point of view. And that's what true, awesome forgiveness and change. To me, the real depth of that comes from being able to change your point of view so that you can see it a little differently. And that one degree can be the difference between standing behind a tree and seeing nothing or taking one step over to the left or the right and seeing the most magnificent valley or mountain or canyon ever, whatever you think a beautiful view is, right? It could be an ocean. The point is it's just one step. And all of a sudden you go from blocked to wide open. So as I begin to develop NLP for recovery, and for a lot of you who are listening to this, you've been thinking about ways to want to get into NLP. I've had many of you send me pictures of having how you've gone on Udemy and bought that one from Kane, um, NLP practitioner level. Like you're super pumped into this. So then I thought, okay, well, let's see. For those of you who are out there, and even if you're not interested in NLP, that's not what this episode is going to be all centered about because I've got three big questions. I call this the three big question exercise. Part of this comes from Kane's NLP class, and another one comes from Mike Bagala, the guy who's, who's been my mentor and my coach in, in teaching me how to be a better coach and how to be a better NLP trainer and practitioner. And so I've taken two different teachings from them, along with a myriad of other information, and I'm just stirring it up into the stew that is the 93rd episode of the podcast. By the way, 100 episodes will happen the week I turn four years old. Super cool. Um, so let's get into this because for those of you who are thinking, okay, Jesse, you've sparked me years ago, episodes ago about NLP for recovery. What's that going to be look like? And for those of you who are just like, yeah, yeah, I don't really care about NLP for recovery, but I love the kind of things you talk about. What, what is the next 20 minutes of my life going to be like? It's not going to be about explaining to you what an NLP program is. It is going to be about you sitting down and asking yourself, what your future could possibly look like if you were ready to take amazing, amazing chances with your journey. The motivation I want you to draw upon here is that if you sit down and you actually think about what it is you want to attain in your life, then you can begin to strategize, plan for it, put it into action, evaluate it, 
after you've had some action and then reestablish a plan and continue moving forward until you get to the outcome you desire. That is the ultimate goal here is what is the outcome you desire and then manifesting that in your life. We discussed in cause and effect last week that we are not going to be out of effect. We're not going to be walking around, blaming everybody else. Oh no, was it cause? My brain's a little scattered right now. We're not going to be blaming, oh, I'm late because of traffic. No, you're going to be taking responsibility for the cause which led to the effect of being late. It wasn't just traffic that made you late. It was the fact that you hit snooze three times or that you didn't pull up the map app or that you didn't get ready on time or that you were dicking around on social media for two hours instead of preparing for your class or your work assignment. You are going to It's no longer be at cause. You're going to take responsibility for the because so that you can control the effect. So these are going to be the three questions. And because I'm bringing in two difference, bonus time, there's two sets of three questions. And they were, I, today, Mike Begala was talking about on a Facebook Live about the three big questions he likes to ask incoming clients. And then as I was going through my notes, and I've got a Trello board full of different topics. And literally, I just, it's a myriad. There's so many. A myriad, it's a cornucopia. It's a, it's a festivus for the rest of us. There are so many freaking topics in this thing, right? I've got everything as uncertain as one, how music can save you. Um, coming back is how you build a support group at meetings and in life in general. I mean, I've got all these di- alone versus loneliness. I think we did automatic negative thoughts not too long ago. This one I'm calling the, three, the big three times two. That's not the title. I'll figure that out in, in uh, Podbean in about 35 minutes. The three questions that we're going to have you ask yourself before you get to the f- next three, okay? What would you pursue? Now, if you're, you've got a pen and paper, if you've got an opportunity to take some notes, there's going to be six different questions you're going to need to write down. And I'm going to want some answers. And uh, over on Instagram, over the course of the next week, I'm going to lay down my answers for these so that you guys actually have a chance. And I'll do some videos on this stuff too over on my IGTV channel because this is some really cool things to be thinking about. So I learned the three, the big three from Kane, and then Mike Begala brought in another three today and that's how we've got to where we're at right now. So Kane's big three are, what would you pursue if you didn't want money? What would you pursue if you didn't want to make a name for yourself? What would you pursue if you didn't care about what other people thought about you? Okay? So, this will be in the show notes too. So, depending on what app you're listening to it on, just go over there and you can pull them out there. If you don't, if you're driving in your car, you're going for a quick little run. What would you pursue if you didn't want money? What would you pursue if you didn't need fame, right? You didn't need to make a name for yourself. And what would you pursue if you didn't care about what other people thought about you or what you were doing? When I got into the whole idea of becoming a life coach and becoming an NLP practitioner and a podcaster and an author and all this stuff, right? There's a lot of people who had decisions about who Jesse was as a human being that they they made their mind up in my 20s. Or they made their mind up in the 30s. I don't really know a whole lot of people who knew me before I was 16 or 17 years old, so I'm not really too concerned with, with those people. Even my family members 
didn't really see me very often when I was younger. So, and two out of the three people who were with me throughout most of my childhood are dead now. So only my sister is still there. We are very much working on being in a state of non-judgmentalness with each other. So I only have to go back to like 17 or 18 and think about, you know, what would people think about me if I chose to do this? Yes, there is that people who think I'm crazy. I'm off the chain. I'm off the rails. I, I've, I've, you know, done crashed it into a bridge and it's, you know, it's, I'm a dumpster fire. Those are the people I don't care what they think about me. I was a, I was, I, to me, I was a dumpster fire in my twenties. I talked to a lot of people like, dude, you were so much fun to be around and you never got, you know, you never got angry or overly emotional. You were just a hoot. Loved having you around all the time. And I'm like, wow, I am so glad that's the memory you have of me. Because the memories I have of myself are not always so great. <laughs> I also remember one of my friends, Jamie, back in the day saying, never be angry about something that once made you happy. So as much as it pains me to know that I have gone through all that suffering in my 20s and 30s because of the emotional traumas that I was not capable of dealing with, they have made me who I am today. I genuinely like this version of me. Like when my buddy Ryan asked me if I ever regretted not get graduating college so- sooner and being a 30-year senior, 30-year-old senior, I was only a 12-year freshman, I remember thinking, man, I got to graduate from the University of Florida. Tim Tebow was here. Two football championships, two basketball championships, right? I've Sports matter to me, so I was really, uh, I chose going to University of Florida because I wanted that school spirit that only comes from having a powerhouse sports um, history. I also made tons of friends that I'm still friends with today. Just as much as I enjoyed the three years I spent at Ball State because I'm still great friends with a handful of those people and they matter to me. So no, I'm not going to regret things that once made me smile. Because I've experienced them, in many cases I'll never need to experience some of those things ever again. Alcohol and drugs, I'm good. No midlife crisis for me. I thought I was going to die at 30, so I went ahead and had my midlife crisis from 20 to 30. <laughs> So what would you pursue if you didn't want money, if you didn't want to make a name for yourself, and you didn't care about what other people thought? Think about that. Now, I get your rational mind wants to step in and say, no, 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 Jesse. I have to know if I can make money or I'm not going to do it. No, 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 no. If I'm not making money and my business isn't successful, then no one knows my name. So in order, people must know, people must know my name in order for me to be successful. Because I, I tie success to money. So I must be famous. I must be popular. I must be an Instagram influencer, which is so laughable because you can buy follows and likes. So no one really is that much of an influencer. <laughs> but I must be one of them so that people will like the things that I sell them and people will love me. Until your parents get busted for buying you into USC and you lose 1.5 million of your followers and you realize they weren't really your friends anyways. They were just people who like to double tap on your stupid ass pictures. What would you pursue if you didn't care about what other people thought, about what you were doing? See, it's one thing to be cognizant and aware of what other people think about you when you're in the mires and you're in the depths of hell that is addiction. When you're blowing lines or shooting up or drinking yourself into an other freaking oblivion, 
right? Then there was those people who were like, please just don't die on us. Please don't let this be the phone call I get at 2 in the morning. Please don't let this be the car accident they got into that lands them in prison or the morgue, right? Like, it's one thing to care about what people thought about you when you were doing that. But for those of you who are sober curious, you're working your way to us sober sober folk. And for those of you who are already worked your way through that initial stage of sobriety and you're now in the heights of addiction recovery, having people care about, having yourself care about what people think about what you're doing is not beneficial. It's important that you like what you're doing. That you feel like it's taking you down the path to on your journey to the place where you want to arrive. Having somebody else side seat drive and dictate where you're going to go just ultimately means you're going to get somewhere and there's a chance that you won't really like it. I mean, hell, there's a chance you'll dictate all your decisions and you'll still get to that place and think, man, this isn't what I thought it would be. Yeah, (laughs) that is always a possibility. The picture of what we think our lives are going to be if we lose that five pounds or we get that 5% raise. I mean, it's all, it's all this contrived mirage of, of daydreaming in our head. When you actually get there and you realize, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, this is cool. But, right, that's why people say that the happiness that comes from actually achieving things, it comes from within. And the happiness is found on the journey. Because once you get to the destination and then you start to seek your happiness from something that's external, you will find that that is not what brings fulfillment. It's the internal positivity you get from moving on this journey. When I give a presentation and no one signs up for my class afterwards, no one decides to hire me as their trainer, no one wants I do an intake on somebody for it to be a new client, and they decide, nope, I'm not their guy. They want to go off and discover someone else. It's all part of the journey for me. Yeah, I'm not thrilled that they chose to go another direction because I really do, honest to God, believe that I can help everyone if they're willing to sit down and have a conversation with me and really be vulnerable, not just with me, but with themselves. But I also realize it's all part of the journey. And in two or three years, or maybe two or three months, or shit, it could be two or three days, one day I could wake up and my schedule will be so full, I won't have any more time to help anybody else. And when that day comes, I'll figure out a way to stretch myself a little bit more or a way to go, to organize my days a little bit better so that there's always space in it to help as many people as possible. This podcast is going nowhere. There will be an episode 200 and 300 and 400 and 500, and I might have to start redoing some topics even. But this it will never die in me to be of service to my community to be of service to the listeners, to be of service to myself. Because by being of service to myself, I become of service to others. This is what it's like to give back to our community. When you've learned something, you turn around and you give it back. What would you pursue if you didn't want money? What would you pursue if you didn't want fame? What would you pursue if you didn't care what other people thought? Ask yourself those questions. Write them down. And when you are done writing them down, you're going to ask yourself these next three questions. Where are you? Who are you with? And what are you doing?
these three questions, when paired with the previous three, are a game changer. By themselves, these questions are game changing. What would you do if you didn't care about if you, if, if money wasn't a goal, if, if fame wasn't a goal, and, and and pleasing others wasn't a goal? Those are great. That know those three on their own stand strong. But where are you? Who are you with? And what are you doing? Those stand just as strong with one another. Because when you begin to pursue things not out of money, not out of fame, not out of people pleasing you begin to take on an entirely new way of life. And when you take on this new way of life, where are you? Who are you with? And what are you doing? Unless our goals are in alignment with our core values and our core priorities, we're never going to feel motivated enough to continue to pursue them past that initial, what is it, pink cloud phase? I always wanted to call it blue cloud, but I think it's pink cloud. Maybe you're riding a pink elephant and you're, you're on a blue cloud. Anyways, there's elephants, there's clouds. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> In order to see our goals to fruition, to see them to the outcome we desire, there needs to be an alignment with our core values and our core priorities. When you ask yourself what you would do if you didn't care about money, if you didn't care about fame, and if you didn't care about people-pleasing, then you begin to align with your core values and core and your core priorities. Now, I've been teaching in NLP to Realty how to do a rapid core value elicitation, and I'm going to bring that to you all um, in a future episode this year. Not only that, but I'm also putting together a really awesome a little ebook about it, about how to tie into your core values and how to use those to, to figure out what it is you want to make your purpose in life. Like we talked about, I get, I get, the, I get the, the shows mixed up once in a while. It was either here on the College Success Habits podcast where I talked about everything starts off as curiosity, then it goes to interest, then it goes to passion, and then it goes to purpose. So if you're looking to make a radical change in 2021 and you immediately start saying, well, what, 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 what am I passionate about? What, what have I already discovered as my purpose? But you're looking for a, a change. If you're looking to realign yourself, don't start at passion and purpose. Go back to what are you curious in? What are you interested in? If you didn't want money, what are you curious and interested in? If you didn't want to name, make a name for yourself, what would you be curious and interested in? If you didn't care about what other people thought, what would you be curious and interested in? Where are you when you have reached this place of curiosity and interest? Who is with you when you're in the land of curiosity and interest? What are you doing in this place of curiosity and interest? The reason why so many people don't get started on these big goals in their life is that they don't want to feel like they don't have that ability to accomplish it. There's this fear that manifests in us that what if I try to accomplish this, but I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have the ability. So I'm afraid of that failure. So I'm going to stop before it even starts. Have confidence in your ability to learn and solve problems. You have tap. You have learned. So let me let me let me word this the right way because we're getting ready to end. I told you guys I wanted to be done, and here comes thirty minutes. 
we have so many skills and talents we picked up in the depths of our addiction on how to survive, how to solve problems, how to learn new ways of doing things because we put ourselves in situations where it's like, holy shit, if I don't figure this out, I'm going to get fired. And if I get fired, I lose my apartment. And if I lose my apartment, then I lose my place to get messed up. And I can't lose my drugs or my booze or my home where I get messed up and do my drugs and booze. We have talents and skills Go back and tap into those, but instead of using them for the negative, the using, the burying of our emotions and the suffering, let's start using those to up-level ourselves, to rise ourselves up in a way that we didn't even think was possible. The reason why some people just never finish what they start is that their desire literally fades because they are in this, uh, this, in this initial goal, in this initial vision phase. And then they realize it's just not compelling enough because they weren't tapping into their core values. They weren't tapping into their core principles and they weren't asking themselves these six questions. More likely than not, you have not stopped doing things because it was too big for you. You've actually stopped doing things because it was too small for you. It didn't push your level of ambition to the heights you desired. This is the opportunity to change that. Ask yourself, if you didn't want money, what would you be curious and interested in? What would you do? If you didn't want to make a name for yourself, what would you be curious and interested in? What would you do? If you didn't care about what other people thought, what would you be curious and interested in? What would you do? And when you have gotten to this land of curiosity and interest, where are you? Who are you with and what are you doing? Answer these questions and I swear there will be a bell rung. You will hear the angels in your head or you will see the light in a whole new way. The vision you have for yourself, the things that you say to yourself about what your 2021 can be, it should be, it, it, should, it should bring about this energy in you that you just can't stop. Whatever it might be that you desire in your life, 2021 is the year to plant a flag on the ground and say, let's do this. Like I opened a show with, yes, there is a time and a place to step back, get grounded and be present. And then there is a time and a place to say, I'm going to kick life's ass. I am going to step outside of my comfort zone and get comfortable in the uncomfortable and I am going to make massive change. Massive change doesn't necessarily mean quitting your job, packing your bags and moving to Europe. Doesn't have to mean blowing up your relationships. Doesn't have to mean, you know, something radical. Massive change can literally just be one step to the left where you go from standing behind a tree and seeing nothing to taking in the awe-inspiring view that has always been on the other side of that tree. One degree can be everything. I'll see you guys next week. And as always, the power of positive energy, release and flow, inclusivity over exclusivity. I love you all. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I feel like I got super, like almost preachy, inspirational in it, but I just that's just what I'm feeling today. I love you, I love you, I love you for being a part of this journey with me. We will talk again next week. 31 minutes and 45 seconds.
Oh, and I've got to add the intro and outro. Okay, it might get somewhere in the 32s, but I swear to you, I am working on it. <laughs> Love you all. Bye-bye.